Well, if you're in 3 John 2, today we're going to continue our series called Extraordinary Living. And you know, our theme verse is John 10, 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Now, Jesus, in that one verse, he's declaring his mission. He's declaring what he came to do. He's declaring why he left heaven and came down to earth, why he was willing to be sacrificed uh, or crucified on the cross. He, he's just telling us right here in this verse that, listen, I came that you might have life. Now, in week one, we talked about if you're going to live an extraordinary life, here's the thing is that, you know, Jesus died for us to live an extraordinary life. But I found this out. Just because you come down this aisle and you tell somebody you want to be saved or you pray a, a prayer of repentance and you ask the Lord to forgive you, doesn't mean you're going to live an extraordinary life. Have you noticed that? That, listen, you know, there'll be plenty of opportunities for you to be discouraged for you to, to lose your joy. I mean, life is tough, isn't it? And so I found that, listen, the abundant life that Jesus talks about doesn't just come through osmosis. There's some practical principles that Jesus teaches us that we need to apply to our life so that we can live that extraordinary life. So in week one, we talked about living a grace-filled life. Last week, we talked about, or two weeks ago, we talked about winning the invisible battle. There's an enemy out there. We have an adversary. As long as we live on this earth, there will be spiritual warfare going on in each and every one of our lives. Amen? And so, so we, when he says abundant life, what he means is that you're going to live a, a life beyond normal. And you're going to live a life that's better than average. You're going to live a life with a supernatural favor and blessing of God on it. How many of y'all believe that? As a child of God, you can live with that and in that. Amen? Now, here's the promise Jesus is making. If we'll choose to follow him, if we'll choose to live for him, then he's going to make our life better than we ever dreamed of. It doesn't mean you're going to not have problems. And you're not going to have trials, but your life will be better than you ever dreamed of. How many of you know he can take your life? He can take a shepherd boy and make him a king. He can take somebody in a pit and pull him out and put him on second in second command over a nation. Amen. I mean, he's a God that can do the miraculous. Amen. Now, in Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. You know, I believe this, this one verse is telling us we can live a life without limitations when we serve in God. Amen. And so now here's the problem. Many, this is God's promise, but many of us are not living in it. And so we want to talk about, it, we want to look at what might be the reason why we're not living an abundant life. You know, if you're not living a, a victorious life, sometimes it's not, it's, it's not because of your, your son-in-law or your mother-in-law or your uncle or your aunt or your wife or your husband or your parents or, or your neighbor or your boss. Sometimes the problem is right on the inside of us. Amen. And so the abundant life, I believe, starts on the inside. If you're going to experience an abundant life on the outside, you got to first experience abundant life on the inside. Amen. And it's, it's more of an inside job than really an outside job. You know, when we think about abundant life, abundance, extraordinary, you know, most of the time we think in terms of monetary things, you know, material things, but I don't believe that's what Jesus is talking about, right? 
And so in 3 John 2, John says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, John gives us three facets right here of the abundant life. First, he says God wants you to prosper or succeed, to do good in all things, physically, socially, materially, financially, relationally. And then he says, God wants us to be in good health. How many of you know good health helps you to live an extraordinary life? Amen. And then thirdly, he says, God wants our souls to prosper. The Lord wants our souls to prosper. And so he wants us to prosper outwardly, but he wants us to prosper inwardly. Amen. Why is that so important? Here's what I believe. Because we can only enjoy the outward blessings to the extent that our inner man or our soul is prospering. Follow along with me right now. We can't, wouldn't you agree that we can't enjoy possessions without a healthy soul? We can't enjoy financial prosperity without a health. You know, there's some people that have more money they can't spend in, in a lifetime, but they're miserable. Having more money is not the problem. Having more things is not the problem. The problem is right here in their soul. Amen. And so you can have, uh, you can't even have fun and enjoy pleasurable things without having a healthy soul. Listen, an abundant life is an inside job. Listen, your soul is the deepest part of you and has the greatest influence on your life. Your life can only be as prosperous and healthy as your soul becomes prosperous and healthy. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, it says this, Therefore, we do not become discouraged or utterly spiritless, exhausted and wearied out through fear. Though our outer man's our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away. And everybody said, Amen. Yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. Now, here's the life lesson I see in this verse. If your inner man is not progressively getting healthy and being renewed day by day, here's the result. You will become discouraged. You become exhausted. You become wearied through the trials and the tribulations and the pressures of life. Amen. And so the problem is we tend to focus more on the outward than we do on the inward. And so what happens is we spend all this time focusing on the outward and not the inward. And we're saying, man, I mean, I, listen, I'm not enjoying life right now. I think if we'll just change our focus and start worrying about the inside more than the outside, I think we'll have a better life. Amen. I mean, when you think about the time that we spend every morning primping, huh? I mean, you know, we brush our teeth, we comb, some of us will comb our hair, you know, whatever, and we'll put on our best thesis, and then we go out for the day. But we spend all this time preparing for the outward man. And sometimes we neglect the inward man so we can spend more time on the outward man, and then we wondered why we're discouraged and why we're exhausted why we're depressed, why we're in the pits. Are y'all still with me out there? When your soul is unhealthy, you'll constantly struggle in life. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it, right? When your soul is unhealthy, you'll constantly struggle in life. And so listen, for example, you'll lack patience. You get easily irritated. 
with other people. You'll be unhappy. doesn't matter what you have. You'll be unhappy and unfulfilled with life. And so listen, you try to satisfy life with external things that will never satisfy. And you'll suffer from what I call internal soul diseases. Remember the lady Jesus healed in Luke chapter 13? She had been sick for 18 years. And the Bible says she was in such a condition that she was bent over. Remember that story? Jesus said her problem was not a physical problem, but an internal problem. And I love that visual of that story because it reminds me that sometimes we can be living our life bent over and the problem is not an external problem. The problem is an internal problem. In Luke 13, 10, it says this. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and she was bent over and and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he said her, he, he called her to him and he said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. Now, notice this lady's life was physically impaired. In other words, she was weighed down with a spirit of infirmity. And she could not enjoy an abundant life in the condition that she was in because of what she was personally dealing with, right? But then Jesus called it, notice what Jesus, Jesus called it a spirit of infirmity. Now, whenever you look at that spirit of infirmity, what did he mean? In the literal translation, what that means is a spirit of weakness or feebleness in the mind or the spirit. And so, you know, her problem wasn't an outward physical problem. It was an inward problem, a spirit of infirmity. And so listen, my friends, if we're going to live an extraordinary life, an abundant life, a more than we need kind of life, we're going to have to deal with the inside before we get the blessing on the outside. Amen. If you agree with that, say amen. Now, here's the point. Not all problems that seem like they're external problems are really external problems. Some are internal problems. Not all problems are physical problems. Some are spiritual problems. And not all infirmities are physical infirmities. Some are spiritual infirmities that we call soul diseases. And I believe that some people are suffering today from soul diseases like a spirit of grief. Grief is normal and natural. But normal, natural grief can become a spirit of grief. Are y'all with me out there? And so listen, some of us are living a not so abundant life because we have excess, excessive rather, worry, anxiety. Are y'all here? Some of us, maybe we're paralyzed with fear. Some of us are dealing with such an inferiority and an insecurity that we're always walking around thinking somebody's out to get us. Somebody's trying to do us in. Somebody's And you can't live an abundant life when you got soul diseases that have gripped your spirit, man, and won't let it go. You'll be bent over. Amen. And so our quality of life is tied to the health of our souls. And that's why John said in 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul 
prospers. You can't prosper in all things until your soul begins prospering. Amen. Come on. How many of you can give witness to that? I mean, you had stuff, you had things going on, but you can't enjoy them. Like when you give your life to Christ and he begins working on the inside of you. Now you don't need nearly as much pleasure and entertainment and everything the world has to offer to be happy as a, as, as can be. Amen. Come on. Can I get a witness in here today? Because it's an inside job, right? You know, I know family, man, they, they have, uh, you know, they, it breaks my heart because they have more money than they can use, but they live under this oppression. They, they live with this fear. There's no light in their life because their soul is not healthy. They can't enjoy what God has given them. And it would be tragic for us to live our life as a Christian and not enjoy the life God has given us. Amen? And so we got to deal with the inside. The quality of your life is tied to the health of your souls. And there are people that have everything that the world has to offer, but yet they're miserable. There are people who have, their physical health is great, but they're not enjoying, enjoying a life of contentment and fulfillment. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, you know, obviously, I know this verse is speaking of forfeiting eternal life in the pursuit of pleasure and, and material possessions. But, you know, I also think it can mean forfeiting the true blessing of a healthy soul while we're busy trying to get more stuff, more that the world has to offer. So I think what we need to be reminded of, our ability to have an abundant life is tied to our ability to have a healthy and a healed soul. Come on, if you got that, say, I got that. So let's unpack that a little bit. Living an extraordinary life requires taking time to nurture your soul. You know, uh, in, in years ago, in, in, in around in the first, second century, they used to say, how's your soul? How's your soul? They didn't ask you how things were going. They said, how's your soul? Because they, the, the quality of life hinged on the condition of your soul, not the streets you lived on, or the car you drove, or the bank account you had. And so we have to focus on, 1 Timothy 4.8 says, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is valuable in every way. Because it promises life both for the present and for the future. Now, you know, I use that verse to say, I'm not going to the gym because it has physical exercise has little value. Amen. I mean, you know, that's twisting it a little bit right there, right? Well, it's just as our physical health requires the discipline of proper nutrition, exercise, and rest, our spiritual well-being requires the spiritual discipline of nurturing your soul. Amen? In 1 Timothy 4, 7, it says, Don't waste time arguing over foolish ideas and silly myths and legends. Spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. Amen. So how good are you doing this morning? 
being spiritually fit. That's what Paul is trying to encourage Timothy. Timothy, it's all right to go to the gym, man, but don't neglect your soul. Amen. Physical exercise is good, but spiritual exercise is even better because it doesn't only promise a blessing here and now. It promises a blessing for all of eternity. Amen. So how do you care and nurture your soul? Well, we know that the soul consists of three parts, right? What is it? Mind, will, and emotions. Mind, emotions, and the will. So to stay spiritually healthy, you have to nurture each part of your soul. Does that make sense? And so there's three ways that you can nurture your soul. First, for your mind, feed it the life-giving word. Come on, how many of you know your mind needs to be fed? Come on, if you don't use your mind, it's like a muscle. It's going to get flabby. It's going to get weak. Amen? And so, so you gotta, you got to feed your mind, not just anything, the life-giving word. I love what Jesus answered. Remember when he was on, he was going through the temptation. He said this. He said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, you know, a, a Cajun translation of that is man shall not live on Boudin alone. Come on. You got to get the word of God in your heart and your spirit. Amen. Because it's living. It's active. It's sharp. It's able to divide between your soul and your, and your spirit. Amen. And so listen, you can, you cannot have a healthy soul without having a healthy mind. And you can't be, you can't have a, a healthy, extraordinary life until you get your mind healthy and in order, right? And listen, you can be held back. You can be held back from that extraordinary life. Not because God doesn't want you to have one. Not because God is not helping you to have one. Sometimes the problem is right here. It's right here. You can be held back with mental strongholds of, of, of lies and deceptions and, and negativity, negative thoughts and, 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 and doubt and unbelief and all those kinds of things. And it's going to damage your soul in the process. I love what Proverbs 23, 7 says, as he thinks within himself, so is he. Another translation says, as a, as a man thinks in his heart, so does he become. And so listen, sometimes we're not living an extraordinary life because we're losing the battle right here. And we need to win this battle if we're going to win this battle. So we got to learn how to overcome, right? And so mental strongholds, negative thoughts is like a lid on your mind. And you can never go further than your mind will allow you to. You know, you've heard that illustration of the, the fleas in the jar and, and the, you know, they, they bump their head and they think, I can't go beyond that. You take the lid off the jar, their fleas won't leave the jar. They've been programmed to think that's as far as I can go. I wonder what kind of programming we've received over the years that have become a lid on our life, keeping us from living the extraordinary life that God has for us. Amen. 
You know, you heard that story about the guy that went on vacation and he was in a beautiful, beautiful area. Uh, I, I think he was in Hawaii and he was going down the road and there was this beautiful spread, a house on a hill overlooking the, the beautiful water and, and his yard was like a garden and, and he's looked at that and he said, oh my goodness, I'll never have something like that. And he's, and, and there was a little voice inside of him that said, you're right. You're never going to have that. And he's like, whoa, where's that come from? So, well, if that's what you believe, that's what you're going to receive. See, some of us, we need to get the lid off. Amen? Mental strongholds, negative thoughts, and limiting beliefs about yourself will hold you back and keep you from being successful. You know, whenever your self-talk is something like, I'll never get ahead. I'll never get a good job. I'll never catch a break. I'll always fail. My life will never get better. You need to understand that those kinds of thoughts are a lid on your life. Amen? Mental strongholds, negative thoughts, limiting beliefs about others will hold you back from healthy relationships. You know, you can't think negative thoughts like, like, you know, about... um Like, I'm the black sheep in the family. My boss doesn't like me. They don't care about me. They think they're better than me. Those kinds of thoughts. How will you develop relationships whenever you think negative thoughts about others? You know, we don't realize, but people can pick up what how we feel without us telling them how we feel. Because of our... Our our mindsets, our strongholds, sometimes we live an isolated, lonely life because of the limiting belief we have in our own self about how we view and see ourselves or other people. Are y'all still tracking with me right now? You see, listen, here's another thing. Negative thoughts and limiting beliefs about God keep you from growing spiritually. You can't, listen, you can't say, God doesn't love me and grow spiritually. You can't believe that that God doesn't care about you and grow spiritually. You got to believe that God loves you. You got to believe that God wants to help you. Amen. And so listen, sometimes it's our negative beliefs about our circumstances that keep us from a breakthrough. Whenever we think, well, this will never change. This situation will never be different. Well, come on. How about we just believe that with God, all things are possible and he can overcome every every mindset, stronghold, lie, deception, anything that's in my mind or heart. I believe that God can give me victory over it. Amen. You remember the story about the 12 spies, right? The 12 spies went out to check the promised land and to bring back a report to the, to the leaders and the nation of Israel to say, Hey, can we go in there? And you remember 12, there were 12 of them. 10 came back and they had, they were very negative, right? They were very pessimist. I don't know if that's how you say it, but they, they weren't positive. Amen. <laughs> right. And so they came back. So how's it look? Oh, There's giants in the land. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, they're big. We can't go in there. They'll tear us up. They'll, they'll just, they'll, we can't go in there. I mean, we look like grasshoppers in their side. They're so big. They're, I mean, those are big guys in there. Well, what about the land? It's not, oh yeah, it's nice, but we can't go in there. And then the two, Joshua and Caleb. So yeah, there's giants in there. Oh, there's, there's, it's not going to be a cakewalk. But didn't God tell us to go in? Listen, the God that brought us here is the God that's going to get us there. Let's go in. 
And I think we have to have more of that Joshua and Caleb mentality. Come on. I don't know if you're getting anything out of this, but I'm preaching to myself this morning. Amen. But y'all just, well, y'all just stand by and let me encourage myself. Come on. We need to have uh, the belief that God is able and that we haven't reached where God wants us to go. Come on. We need to get our mind straight and so we can just be delivered and set free to live that extraordinary life. Amen. Now, our own mindsets and thinking patterns determine who we become in life. But the good news is you can change your mindsets. You can change your thinking patterns. That's what Romans 12 2. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you get transformed? You renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? By the power of the Word of God. Listen, uh, listen a storybook is not going to change your mind. It's not going to break the stronghold. Reading the paper is not going to do it. Looking up at Facebook is not going to do it. You got to look into God's book, not Facebook. And that's what's going to change your life. Amen. Come on. It's God's word that has the power to break the lies of the enemy. So here's how it works. When you feed your mind the life-giving power of the word of God, the strongholds and bondages in your mind begin to break. And your mind gets healthier. And consequently, your soul gets healthier because it's nurtured by the Word of God. Amen? So now listen, you might be experiencing some internal struggles simply because your mind is being starved. You see, if your mind is starved of the Word of God, you're not going to have a healthy soul. Are y'all with me? See, you don't have to read your Bible to go to heaven. You just won't have a healthy soul. Because every day, the enemy, remember, he's klepto. You know what a klepto is? They'll sneak it in on you. And that's the devil, so folks. He's klepto. And he's like a, he's, he's sly. He's cunning. And he'll try to feed you a lie and you'll take it on to yourself and think it's your thought. And it's your idea. And you're going to drag that lie with you around life and it'll rob you of the abundant, victorious kind of life. Come on, we need to rise up and let the Word of God get down in our spirit, break the lies of the enemy so we can be set free to be all that God wants us to be. Amen. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. A second way to nurture your soul is for your emotions. Heal them in the presence of God. Your emotions are another important part of your soul, right? So to have a healthy soul, you have to have healthy emotions. Fear can keep you from living an extraordinary life. Worry can keep you. How many of you know you can't have peace and worry at the same time, right? Hatred can rob you of the abundant life. These are emotions. Grief can rob you of a, an abundant life. But Psalm 23, 1 and 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And He restores my soul. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that feel like, come on, doesn't that feel like ice cream to your soul right now? He restores my soul. Amen. So the Lord is the good shepherd. And first of all, he's a feeder. 
He makes us lie down in green pastures. Somebody said the sheep don't lie down unless they're full, right? And so green pastures represents the sheep feeding us. He is a leader. He leads me. He leads me or he makes me lie down and he leads me beside still waters. So God's not just a feeder. He's also a leader. He'll lead you on the right path, right? And then he's also restore. He restores my soul. He restores what? Our soul, which includes our emotions. And so someone with a restored soul is someone who's had their damaged emotions healed. And isn't it incredible how God has the ability when somebody's emotionally broken to pieces and God can take that person and he could put our hearts back together like we never went through what we went through. Are y'all with me out there? Oh my goodness, I love this. Jeremiah 39, 17 says this, For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Listen, I want you to know, if you've lost your joy, you can get it back. Amen? Listen, I want you to know, if you're worried and stressed out, you can get rest for your souls. Amen? If you're hurt, betrayed, wounded relationally, the Lord wants to your heart to be healed. He wants to heal your wounded heart. If you're grieving, the Lord wants to turn your mourning into dancing. Amen? So how do you get healed emotionally? You get in the presence of God. When you get in the presence of God, that's where healing comes. You know why I think that happens? Because it's the perfect love of God. Whenever God's love comes into your life, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, a child that falls down, skins his knee, and, and the world is coming to the end, and then he jumps in grandma's lap or mama's lap, and mama puts her arms around him, and all of a sudden, everything's all right, because they just experience the love of the, the love of, of, of the parent. But whenever you get into the arms of a loving God, you can your knees can be skinned, you can be... You can have all kind of problems when you get in the love of God, in the presence of God. All of a sudden, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Come on. I don't know if y'all believe this. Y'all believe this this morning. Amen. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good things to the poor, tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. See, when you get in the presence of God, everything on the inside begins to change. See, that's why in communion earlier, I said, you know, it's important that we experience the presence of God. Because it's the presence of God that heals you internally. It's the presence of God that can bind up your wounds. It's the presence of God that can heal you from the rejection you went through all your life. It's the presence of God that can just cause your, oh my goodness, to cause your emotions that, that are all over the place to just come and line up with the order of God. Amen? Every da damaged emotion begins to get healed in the presence of God. And the, oil, the Lord can give you the oil of joy. The oil of joy. I love that. He can give you, He can turn your mourning into dancing. Amen. And He can take your garment of heaviness and He can give you a garment of praise. You know, whenever I think about that, 
I think about somebody just walking around with a big old trench, a big old dark trench coat. And they're walking around. And it's like they're like, like this. And, and there's nothing on the, on them, but it, they just, they just have that, that problem with just experiencing like life. And they get in the presence of God. And God takes that coat and he just throws it off of them. And then he takes the robe of righteousness and he throws it on them. And it's colorful. It's full of color. And all of a sudden with that new coat comes something happening on the inside. And their spirit all of a sudden starts changing. And their frown turns into a smile. Their mourning turns into dancing. And then they start wanting to dance in the presence of God. Amen. And they're not just sitting around in the mully groves. Come on, they're ready to go do something. They're ready to get out and do something for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Amen. Come on, that's what we, we want the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. We need our emotions healed. Amen. You know, just this weekend, I got a call. Uh, we're talking about spiritual warfare where there's a family that they were in their house. They began to see like uh, people that were deceased, like they start seeing them in the window and stuff. And it was, you know, obviously beginning to scare them. And so they called and said, man, you know, can you come over and pray? So I went and pray and, 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 uh, you know, we went and, and just declared that, that that house and that property was for the Lord. Amen. And we declared that there ain't gonna be no, there ain't gonna be no faces other than the face of Jesus coming around their place. Amen. And so, you know, there was a lady there that I, I didn't know and she began to tell me about all these people she lost. Like, like uh, it was unbelievable how many people she lost and, and she was grieving and she was, she had been through a hard time and, and she, her life was, was, she was struggling and, and she was broken and, and we began to pray and do warfare over the house. And, and so while we we're at it, I said, well, let's pray for you. Let's pray for you. And when we started praying for her, the presence of God came on her. And she just started weeping and weeping and weeping. And she just fell to the floor and she cried her little heart out. And I was reminded once again, oh my goodness, God is so good. Listen, I, can I encourage you? Don't settle for religiosity. Don't settle for just church attendance. That's not where it's at. I'll tell you where it's at. It's in the presence of God. It's worshiping God. It's experiencing Him. It's enjoying the touch of God. That's where it's at. Because when you get in the presence of God, oh, mountains melt like wax. Amen. Amen. A final way to nurture your soul, for your will, surrender it daily to the will of God. If you want your life to be blessed, you've got to surrender your life to the Lord, right? Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6 and 9. This is how you should pray. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A healthy soul is a soul that is surrendered to God. You know, sometimes we wonder why we're struggling in life, and it's because. We're going against the, we're going against the, the, the flow. We're going against the tide. It's never going to be, it's never going to be easy when you go against God's will. You got to go with God's will. Listen, it's a lot easier to flow down the stream than to try to swim up the stream. You can get tired quick. I mean, you might do okay for a little while, but you're going to get tired. And you know, some of us in this room, 
That's how we came to the Lord. We were swimming upstream and got tired and said, I got enough of this. I'm going to do the will of God. And so when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, pray every day, not my will, but your will be done. Thy will be done. Amen. If you want rest for your souls, surrender it to the will of God. You see, it's our stubbornness and rebellion against God that causes us to struggle. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, sometimes life is heavy because we're doing our own thing. It's our stubbornness and rebellion against God sometimes that is the reason why we're not experiencing an amazing, extraordinary, blessed life. Does that make sense? In Psalm 32, 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Don't be like the horse or the mule, which has no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. You know, my brother and I were ministering to a friend yesterday, and we're talking about that. I don't know, have you ever been around horses and mules? I mean, you can, you know, most horses, you can grab them by the bridle, and you can get them to go this way. A mule? Fasten your seatbelt. A mule, it's like, if you want to go that way, they're going to go that way. If you want to go that way, they, they just like got something inside them. They're like, I'm not going. I'm not cooperating. If they, you know, if they could talk like the, like the donkey in the Bible, they would say, I'm mule headed. Right? And some of us are like that when it comes to the will of God. We say, Lord, well, I want a savior. I want to go to heaven. I just don't want you to tell me what to do. Right? And the Lord says, you know what? I don't play that game. I'm not about to lay down my lordship for you. Because you don't have what it takes to be the Lord. So I'm going to hold my position and you're going to have to submit to my will and not do your will. Amen. And all of a sudden, whenever you surrender your will, you know, listen, I remember whenever I first got saved, I was learning this and, and, uh, I, I came to church and I, you know, came crying to the altar and said, Jesus, I need you and all that kind of stuff. But it was just like, okay, Lord, I tell you what, I'll give you Sunday morning. I'm going to read my Bible, you know, while I eat my Cheerios, I'm going to read Proverbs and I'm going to go after it. All right. And my Lord, this is more than I ever done. But I ain't giving you everything. I mean, I'm like my, my social life. I want, I want to have some control. I want to have a little freedom. And I remember the time. It was a weekend. And I went to my friend's house. I thought he was by himself and they were having a party. And some young lady just put a little peel on the front of me. I said, this will make you have fun. This will make you feel better. Why don't you just take that? And a little bit later, I woke up. And everybody in the house was asleep. And I got my truck and I started driving home. And on my way home, I fell asleep. And I went off the road. Thank God I didn't kill anybody. Thank God I didn't kill myself. But I ended up in this big ditch. It was just flying. I didn't have my seatbelt on. I was flying around my truck. And I, not a scratch on me. 
Of course, the state trooper came. And while I was waiting for the state trooper to come, and I was telling him, oh, my truck. I was, you know, I was young. I'd just gotten out of school and had a brand new truck, a shiny truck. And, oh, I love my truck. And I was like, oh, my truck. And he said, son, the last two accidents I've been to, it wasn't this good. And he got a little bit more graphic, which I won't. He said, you need to be grateful that you're alive. And he went back and started doing his measurements and stuff. And as I got by myself, the Lord spoke to me. He said, Todd, I don't want 80%. If you give 80% of your life, the enemy will take the 20%. You won't surrender to him and he will use it to kill you. If you want to have life and have it abundantly, you need to give me 100%. I couldn't wait till Sunday morning came. I had to get a ride here, but I came to church and said, Jesus, you can have it all. You can have it all. But listen, it takes 100% surrender. Amen. Would you do me a favor and just, just bow your head for just a moment? The greatest blessing of surrendering your will to God is the fact that you can, it changes your eternity. And you know, Jesus says, look, worry about your soul because it's not just the blessing of now, but it's also the blessing of eternity. What does a man gain if he's gained the whole world but lost his soul? In Matthew 7, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. I don't know if you've ever surrendered your life to Christ and said, I want to be a Christian. But this morning, I tried my best to make it clear to you so that you would know that if you want to live this incredible life that God has for you, it's not going to happen until you make a decision to surrender 100% of your heart and life to the Lord. If you hear this morning, you say, that's what I want to do, Todd. Would you pray for me? I don't know for sure if I'm a Christian, but man, I don't want to leave it to chance. I'm ready to pray today. Just raise your hand. I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to, to just stand up. I, ma'am, I see your hand. Anywhere else. This, this is your day. This is your moment. Ma'am, I see your hand. Sir, right back here. I see your hand. Just hold up your hand so, so I can just acknowledge it, so I can see it. Just hold your hand up and just say, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Right now, your will is in a battle. My will or God's will. And the last thing the enemy wants you to do is surrender your will to God. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Come on. The devil's power is getting broken off your life and off your will right now. Now, all of you that raised your hands, we're going to pray a prayer together. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you for, for responding. The Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. The Spirit of God is just moving. Come on. This is your day. This is your opportunity right here, sir. I see your hand. Come on. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross, laying your will down so I could be saved and I could have hope. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I repent. I'm willing to change. Would you help me, Lord? Would you forgive me for my rebellion? Would you forgive me for doing my own thing? I'm ready to serve you, but I need your help today. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for cleansing me, washing me, and empowering me with your spirit today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. 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 Would you do me a favor and just stand up? Those of you that prayed that prayer, there's a card in the pew that said, I made a decision. If you need a Bible, we would like to know you pray that prayer because we want to pray for you. We're going to send you some material or send you something in the mail to tell you some next steps you can take. We just uh, want to help you as much as we can for a new life. Amen. Now let's close it in prayer right now. Come on. How many of you say, man, I, I need a renewed mind. I need to feed my mind. Come on. Some of you, maybe you need to dust off that Bible. Amen. And you need to start getting into that word and let that word begin to, the Bible says the word of God is like a hammer and it'll break those strongholds off of your mind. Amen. Some of you, you need to start taking some time to get alone in a solitary place without anybody else. Be quiet. Close your eyes. Go in the backyard. Get in your favorite chair and just take 15 minutes and and just begin to worship God. Get in his presence and all of a sudden you're going to feel the life of God flowing through you. Amen. Come on. And then so listen, some of you, come on, you need your mind. Come on, you need your emotions healed. Come on. And some of you, you just need to surrender. Say, Lord, you might be like me, like 80%. But now you're ready to go 100%. And I found out it's in the 100%, not the 80%, that abundant life resides. Amen. Father, let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would release your power, your presence, your anointing, your spirit, your grace. Lord, give us a renewed mind. Touch our minds today. Come on, just put your hands over your mind and just say, Lord, Lord, break every lie, every deception. Break its power. Break its hold, Lord. God, remove it right now. Lord, every wall standing in my way every lid limiting me Lord take it off now come on put your put your hand over your heart and say Lord heal my heart of every wound every rejection Lord every emotion that's not healthy Lord I pray break its power break its hold right now in Jesus name now come on just lift your hands like this if you if you're comfortable with it and say Lord my life is yours my will I surrender it to you today use me and do with me what you want I pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody that agreed shouted and said amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, we'll be up here. If not, be blessed. Have a great day.